Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. We've missed you. It's been about a month, just different things and that really cold snap. I wasn't driving in minus 40 and so, but we're glad to be back. I'll give you a little update on my life or our life, I should say. Is that okay in our family? Because there's been some little changes, so we thought we'd share with you what's going on. Uh, Taylor is still in Edmonton, and she's moving into her last two and a half months of school. So it's been four years. I can't believe it. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So she graduates in April, and she will then go and write her the NCLEX, the RN exam, and she'll be a nurse. And it'll be like, wow, where did it go? So she's looking at uh, working in the ICU. That's what she wants to do, and she loves it. And the people there have actually said to other nurses, and they've told Taylor that they want to hire you when you're done. And so that, because that's where she's been working her job, like her summer job and in through the fall and stuff. So we're really proud of her. Zach, we were in Kelowna last weekend. We went and saw Zach, and that was fun, um, and watched his team play a couple of games, his basketball team, and he is working at Teen Challenge there. But um, there's some changes in Zach's life, and he's coming back to Alberta. Thank you, Lord. Actually, he's coming back to Alberta next week. He's um, He just felt like... Oh, any parents here of 20-year-olds <laughs> are trying to figure out their life. I just, like, I talk to other people, and they're like, yeah, I know. Anyway, he's just, he's, he, he was wanting to go out there to check out basketball coach because he was thinking that was what he wanted to do and just found out that that's not necessarily what I want to do for my life. I still love it, but it wasn't what he thought. And so um, he is all coming back to Alberta. He, and he didn't enjoy BC. Sorry for BC people. He didn't really enjoy it in, in BC. Uh, and maybe it was just because was, it was hard for him to get relationships, being working at Teen Challenge, and didn't leave him much time. But anyway, he really misses Alberta, misses family. He does miss Haven a lot. He, he, um, he's rarely found a church out there like Haven, like he tells us all the time. You don't know what you have until you're gone, you know, and stuff. Anyway, so he's coming back on Thursday. He'll be flying back in, and he is actually going to be um, moving to Edmonton as well. So my kids will be an hour and a half from me. So I'm like thrilled because it ha that hasn't been for a long time. And uh, he, we can't say if he, he he's all, like 80% he has a job, but it hasn't been signed on the dotted line. So we're just going to pray that that comes through for him. So we're excited for that. Um, Jeff and I are still in Red Deer, and Jeff's, you know, working his job. And yesterday, the neat thing is that he got the opportunity to go and speak at an auctioneer's convention. Did you even know they had them? So it was in Red Deer, and they were looking for a bailiff to come and talk to them about, like, stories of the bailiff job. So they had sent an email out, is there anybody interested in, in coming? And Jeff's like, I'll do it, you know. You know, Jeff's really shy. He doesn't like to speak in front of people. Anyway, so he went yesterday. But the cool thing is, you know, he didn't just tell stories about him being a bailiff. That was a part of it. But he also got to share that he was also a pastor, that he loves Jesus. And he got to bring Jesus in it all. And he said the cool thing was there were so many of these auctioneer guys that came up to him afterwards who loved Jesus as well. And they were just so 
so encouraged by what Jeff shared and we're giving him his card and exchanging numbers and like, let's get together, right? And so that was a, just a cool way outside the four walls of a church to talk about Jesus, which is what we should be doing. Because it's easy to talk about Jesus here. Like, this is easy for me because most of you will be okay with what I say, <laughs> right? And you're, you agree with it. But when you go outside the four walls and begin to share Jesus, it's, it's not quite as easy, but it's what we should be doing. So that was kind of cool, and Jeff had a great time. And so we miss you guys. We're enjoying Red Deer. Um, but, yeah, this, is, this still feels like home when we come here on a Sunday because we haven't really found a, any place outside of this yet. And look, we're just waiting for the Lord to lead us in that. We're not in a hurry to just jump in anywhere, because we're very, yeah. So if you remember us, pray for us, you know, and we pray for you as well. So um, th there's been a common theme and a thread throughout this morning, so it's really cool, because I'm like, okay, I still hear from you, God. <laughs> Just kidding. When, it, when he's, I was asking, what am I going to share this morning? It was just such a common thread through this whole morning. And one of the things is, um, I'm going to talk about something this morning that like, we all know. Like, this is not new to anybody. Um, but I think, like, you know, during pre-service prayer, Rob was praying, may things not become commonplace. Like, that was like... Yeah, because what I'm speaking about this morning is something that I think could become very commonplace, where we don't even think about it anymore or consider it as a really important part of our life, but it is. And, I, and, and so, and then Janine and reminding and communion was so beautiful, remembering. Like, it's, we need to remember things because in the remembering, it helps us where we are now because there's so many things that we actually have um, access to now that we forget. And then we struggle and we wonder, God, give me peace. Well, he lives inside of you. Peace is here. It's a person, right? We just need to be reminded of those, those things that we carry that, that Christ has died to give us and, and, and receive them by faith, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, th then Jeff kind of did my sermon kind of there while he did communion, and that was really good, Jeff, so I can skip over that <laughs> with salvation and stuff. I'm going to talk about the power of salvation today, and um, I'm going to speak out of a passage of scripture that's like super familiar to all of you. You've all heard it. You've all read it. Some of you might have memorized it. Um, in the fall, I felt the Lord speak to me, and he said, I want you to sit and go through the book of Romans. Because I've never done that before, and I'm like, okay. And he's like, no, I don't want you to like just read it through. I want you to take your time, and I want you to go verse by verse by verse, and I want you to study. I was like, okay. I got a brand new... I love getting a brand new, empty, lined book, and I've, I've been going through Romans. And I'm, at, I'm actually, I started in the fall, I'm only at Romans 2, verse 17. Like, I'm taking it slow. And then he says, okay, stop, now go back. Go back and read, because you know how we are, right? We're like, okay, this is how I am, so I'm not dissing anyone here who does this, okay? Reading your Bible through a year, and you've got your list. I don't like those. Okay, if you're doing it, it's okay. But for me, I love lists. I love going, tick, 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 tick. look what I did. <laughs> I've accomplished my list. Tick, 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 tick. 
right? And then it becomes all about me. This is what I've done. Look at God. I'm reading my Bible. I've done it in a year. Look at me. And it's like, it's not about you, Wendy. It's not about what you can do. Like you can't do, it's, it's just, it's not about your doing. And so that's why I can't do that that way because it very quickly will morph into performance for me. And so doing this, then the Lord says, stop. I want you to go back, go back to chapter one and start reading everything you've studied again because I want you to remember. Because sometimes you just write and you're not thinking, right? You just, hmm. And now and then the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to teach again and, re, and help me to remember because that's one of the functions of Holy Spirit, right? He's the helper who comes to teach us in all things and bring to our remembrance the things that Jesus has taught us. And so that's what I've been doing. And so I got to this, these two verses in Romans 1 and I sat there for a while because I was like, there was so much, I, I know these verses and you do too. But there was so much more there that Holy Spirit wanted to teach me. So I'm just going to share with you this morning what I have been learning about these two verses. Is that okay? And maybe you'll learn too. Maybe it's something you already know. Well, I'm here to remind you again today. Don't forget. And maybe it's something different. Whatever it is, I just want you to grab hold of that. Whatever Holy Spirit wants to teach you and remind you of today. So it's Romans 1, verses 16 to 17. Um, you can put it up there if you want. I'm going to read them. It's out of, I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for all that you've done today, this morning. And I just thank you for what you're going to do now as I speak and teach the things that you have taught me. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would come to each one of us, that you would help us to remember, that you would niggle our minds and say, remember this. And that you would come and you would teach us anything that, we, that you would have us learn this morning. And so we open our hearts and our ears and our eyes and our, our mind to you today, Holy Spirit, for you to come. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. How many have heard that verse before, those two verses? A lot. Some of us a lot. I'm going to read them one more time. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The gospel has the ability to save and change lives. Right? I mean... We're sitting here, most of us, many, probably almost all of us, as a testament that the gospel has saved us and changed our lives. But the gospel also has the ability to offend. And you'll find that as you share Jesus with people, some are not very receptive to the gospel. Because what the gospel does is it's going to highlight to us our need of a Savior. And that we, without a Savior, I'm lost. And that I can't do it on my own. And that's a really hard thing. 
Because we're taught by the world that you can do it. You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. That it's up to you to make it happen. That you should go for it. And it's all about you. And you can take as much as you can before it's gone. And it's just a world of selfishness that we live in. And we're taught that. And we see it modeled around us. And so it's really hard, those of us who are saved, who know Christ, to not fall into that if we're not careful. That we become selfish. That it becomes all about me. Because really the gospel is all about him through me. So the gospel shows us that I cannot do it on my own terms, that I must be all in or not at all. See, there's no room for selfishness and for the gospel to coexist. It just doesn't work. It's one or the other. It's all Jesus or it's, it's, it's not. You can't have any of you in it. Oswald Chambers, I love this quote. I said, there is no, he said, there is nothing attractive about the gospel to the natural man. The only man who finds the gospel attractive is the man convicted of sin. Because at that point, you realize there's nothing I can do. You know, when you come to that point, when you realize I can't save myself, I can't cleanse myself, I can't, it's only through the need of a Savior that I can do it. The gospel becomes attractive. There is no room for self when we surrender to Christ. I love Philippians 1.21. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So it's a win-win no matter what. Whether we live or whether we die, we're still winning. And while we're winning, it's all about Christ. And that's our attitude. That's what our attitude should be. And it, it's really challenged, challenged me as I've been studying these verses because I can be very selfish. Don't say anything, Jeff. I can be. And I've had to just re. re calibrate my, my mind and my thoughts that it's not all about me. It's all about him. And my job is just to love and serve. I don't need anything. I just need to love and serve him. And as I was studying this verse, there was, as I was reading one of the commentaries, one of the questions was, and I ask you this today, and this may be something you'd want to do when you go home. Do you know the gospel of Christ? And if you were to describe what is the gospel in one minute or less, what would you say? So you don't have a half hour. You've got one minute or less to describe the gospel. What would you say? And I had to sit there because it was hard. And I don't know if there's any one right way to say it. It's whatever the Lord reveals to you how the Holy Spirit reveals to you to say it. Because as I was thinking about it, I'm trying to, this is what came to me. And it's not that it's the right one or the only one, but this is, in my heart, what settled for me. When I looked at the gospel, I, I said it was daily surrendering my will to his will. Daily surrendering my will to his will. And that's so much easier said than done. And so in, in this verse, I'm like, okay, how am I going to daily surrender my will to your will? And then Holy Spirit said, it's through the power of salvation that I'm able to surrender.
And that Jeff talked on that today, right? We think of, if I say the word salvation, because a lot of us say, when were you saved? We make it all about the one date on the calendar. I can't remember when the day I was saved, like specifically, because I was quite young. And for some of us here who've grown up in the church, often we get saved when we're quite young. But there are many here who actually know the exact day that they were saved. They have it written in their Bible. And, and this is not to minimize that day because that, that's, an, that's important. But we, we, we take salvation and we boil it down to February 3rd, 1973, when there's so much more. And that's what the Lord reminded me. And Holy Spirit was reminding me, salvation is not a day. It's a lifestyle. And then, you know, again, Jeff, thank you for taking my sermon. Salvation, we, we boil it all the way down to it's my ticket to heaven. And that's what it's all about. And for many of us, like, and really, I was thinking, if that's all God gave us through salvation, heaven, that's pretty sweet, really, right? Like, he doesn't really need to give us anything more than our eternity with him. But the problem is, when I was thinking, if it's all about just getting to heaven, then this is us as we go through life dragging and like, please, Jesus, come quickly. I just want to get to heaven. I don't want to be here anymore. Life is too hard. I don't like my life. But, you know, it's just, oh, and we're dragging our feet to get to heaven. But salvation is so much it's not just an event, it's a lifestyle, and it's powerful. It said the power of God for salvation. We look at that word power. Many of you know this. The word power is dunamis. You've heard that word before. It's a Greek word, dunamis. It's in, it's, what it means, it's, it's, it's the inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. So God is powerful. It is in him. It didn't just pop up one day. It's always been there. It's part of his nature. He is powerful. And because he lives in us, we now have his power inside of us. We possess the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And so we have this dunamis power that lives inside of us that we can tap into at any time, on any day, in any second, in any situation. And that power, it's where we get, many times in the New Testament, it's translated as miracle or miraculous. It's where we get the English words dynamic and dynamite. And so when you look at this, we go, God's salvation, well, salvation is God's dynamite. It literally blows our life up, does it not? Like not physically, like, but it, it has the ability to change our lives like 180. It has the power to spiritually regenerate dead people. You were dead. Spiritually, you were dead before salvation came, and now you are alive. That's how powerful salvation is. Many look for programs, or they look for, they look for it in religion, um, of, of things that'll make us feel good about ourselves. It might even bring, bring happiness, but it can never free you from the power or the enslavement of sin. 
that only happens through salvation. Salvation liberates us from the power of sin, and it, it frees us. And salvation is one of the main purposes of God. See, one of the main purposes of Jesus coming to earth was to make salvation of man possible. From the beginning, God wanted relationship with man. That concept alone is mind-blowing. Because God doesn't need relationship with you. He is perfectly, totally fine in all he is. He wants relationship. And that's a different thing. He wants relationship with each one of you. But he couldn't have it because sin. Because of sin, a holy God cannot be in the presence of sin. And because of Adam and Eve, sin came into the world. So now God you had to um, have a plan, which he always did. This wasn't just something that came out of the blue, like, uh-oh, what am I going to do now? When sin was introduced... Jesus willingly said, I will go and give my life so that we could come into relationship with God through salvation. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Many look at God as a condemning God, but he is not. That's not his purpose. His purpose is to save you. It's not to condemn you. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so when we think about salvation and we think about the lifestyle, so now, now when I talk about salvation, as we go forward here, I don't want you to think about a one-time event. This is your lifestyle, okay? This is every day. I am living out my salvation. So what are the factors then when we look at salvation that, that we need to remember and live out? Number one, the cross. The preaching of the cross is essential. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Like when we do communion... It can become very commonplace. I love that this morning, Rob. Commonplace, just something we do once a month, usually on the first Sunday of the month. And it can become very commonplace for us. But if we really would just take a step back and look at what Jesus did and the power of that cross in our lives, it is mind-blowing. And the world looks at it and says it's folly. They don't understand it. Their, they, their, mind, their eyes have not been opened. But when you come into an understanding of what Jesus did for you, because you know what? We deserve to be on that cross. We deserve that punishment. We deserve that death. We still do. And yet, Jesus took it for us. So the cross, you're living daily in the power of the cross. Number two, grace, the grace of God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Salvation is only a gift. As we walk out the power of salvation, you can do nothing to save yourself. You can read your Bible, you can serve in kids' ministry, you can be a worship leader, and those things are all good, but it does not um, bring about God's 
love anymore or salvation. It's a free gift. It's free. You can do nothing. Some of us like to do, like our lists. You can do nothing. It's a free gift. Number three, repentance. We're to live that lifestyle of, of, of the, the power of salvation through repentance. Repentance actually means to change one's mind, which then changes one's behavior. It's not a one time I repent of my sins. We just walk in that lifestyle because, you know, sometimes we do make mistakes. We do sin. And all we need to do is repent. I'm sorry. I changed my mind. That was wrong. I've changed my mind about thinking that was right, and that's, that is wrong, and I repent. And I receive from, as your gift, forgiveness. Number four, faith. Salvation comes to everyone who believes. That's all you have to do. A lot of people feel you have to work, you have to be a good person, you have to get everything in your life together before you can come, you know, to walk in salvation. But no, you just need to believe. And believing is more like, is more than just, I believe in a thing, because there's a lot of things we believe in, but not everything we believe in we trust. So when we talk about to everyone who believes in that Greek word, it means you're actually putting your trust in. It's not just a consent of your mind. It's also a consent of your heart and will. You are relying upon, okay, I'm going to walk in the power of salvation. I may not feel it. I may not see it. I may not understand it. But I'm going to believe and trust you, God. And by faith, I'm going to receive it. I hope this is a good reminder today. So salvation, when we look at the word salvation, it's the Greek word soteria, comes from the, the word soter, which comes from the word sozo. Some of you may have heard the word sozo, and that's um, saved, healed, and delivered. And in Hebrew, I thought this was really cool, and it makes total sense, the word salvation is Yeshua. I'm like, yep, it's just Jesus, Right? And so salvation means rescue or deliverance from danger, destruction, and peril. It means restoration to a state of safety, soundness, health, and well-being. It means preservation from the danger of destruction. I don't see anywhere in there it says heaven. <laughs> Though that's really a byproduct of what happens, right? It's rescue or deliverance. It's restoration. It's preservation. And in the New Testament, when we look at salvation, it means total salvation. It's the whole body that is being saved, not just your soul. And so I listed some things of what happens when I surrender my will to his will, and I do that daily. Here are the things, here are the things that happen or the benefits, the things I walk in. Number one, Physical health. That's a hard one because you're like, well, I'm not walking in it. I must not know. We don't change a theology based on experience. We go to the word of God. Jesus is concerned about our bodies as well as our soul. This is why he died on the cross. One of the things, the broken body, was for our healing. 
To the woman who touched the hem of his garment, he brought soteria. To the leper, he brought soteria. To the demon-possessed man, he brought soteria. Jesus is concerned with our whole body of health, not just our physical needs, but our mental and emotional. And so what do we do? By faith, we receive by grace what he is paid for. We don't try and work for his healing. Oh, there must be something wrong with me. I must have sin in my life. I must not have... No, we receive by faith. We continue to believe and pray. Because it's paid for. It's what we have. It's a part of it's a part of soteria. It's a part of salvation. Number two, danger. Okay, there are storms in life. So it so when I say danger, it doesn't mean we will never have storms because we know we will. And some of you are in one right now. But what it means is that in that storm, you are not alone and Jesus is with you. You are safe, and nothing can separate you from his love. When you think about the guys in the boat when the storm came, and they're freaking out, and they go, Jesus, save us, soteria us. And he gets up and says, oh, you of little faith. Like, do you not think that even though this storm is here, that I am not with you? I am with you in this storm. So we need to remember that when we're walking through the storms, it doesn't mean that God is not with us or doesn't care. He is walking with us through that storm. Number three, being tainted by the world. I read something I thought was really cool description of the power of salvation. It's like a divine antiseptic. See, we can walk in this world and not be affected by it. And actually what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to affect the world. It's not that we're supposed to hide in a little corner so that we're not, we don't see the world or allow the world to come anywhere near us. It's no, we get to walk through the world and instead of the world affecting us, we get to affect the world around us. And that is what we're to do when we understand the power of salvation. We're not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Number four, lostness. Like if that law, and I looked up that word lostness in the Greek, it means to destroy, to put an end, to render useless. When you walk in the power of salvation, you will never be lost. You will never be purposeless. You have purpose through the power of salvation. And you may not know your exact purpose yet, but one of them you do know is that you are to um, release Jesus to everyone around you. That's one of each one of our purposes. It's to affect the world around us. But whenever you feel lost, whenever you think you've lost your way, whenever you need to remind yourself that I am not lost. Because I walk in the power of salvation, and by grace and by faith, I'm going to receive the truth that I'm just going to keep walking, and he's with me. He's showing me the way. I am not lost. I'm not purposeless. Sin. Our flesh is a slave to sin. We cannot free ourselves of it. 
It's only through the power of salvation that the power of sin is canceled and broken completely. You do not have to walk in sin, and you do not have to be a slave to sin. You need to remind yourself today, those who are struggling with sin, that it's the power of salvation that breaks that power of sin. It's the only way. And finally, wrath. Wrath is, is, if we went on in Romans, we would be studying the wrath of God. And that is a sermon in itself that I would love to teach someday because it's like, whoa. Because we don't talk about it a lot. We don't talk about the wrath of God. We talk about the love of God a lot. But in the love of God is the wrath of God. They coexist. There's not one or the other. And without the power of salvation, we were subject to the wrath of God. Because a holy God cannot be in the presence of sin in any form whatsoever. And so Jesus came and he took the full wrath of God upon him so that we don't have to. And when you think of wrath, I'm just going to really quickly give you a little snippet. It's not like a temper. Like, don't compare God to how we get angry. Because when we get angry, it's like, Bleh! we fly off the handle and it's like explosive and it's messy and it's just ugly. And that's not what wrath is. Wrath is God's settled indignation against sin. It's a controlled, passionate feeling. Because right now he's controlling it. But there will be a day when he's going to let that wrath go. And all those who do not walk in the power of salvation will be under that wrath. But he's giving us time. There's time. I got to stop because I could go into all that because I loved studying that as, as well. Finally, I want to look at verse 17 real quick. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. In As we walk out the power of salvation every day, the righteousness of God is revealed. When I surrender my will to his will, the righteousness of God is continually being made known to me. That word righteousness means straightness. God is totally righteous because he is totally as he should be. The righteousness of God is all that God is, all that he commands, all that he demands, all that he approves, and all that he provides. And it's through the power of salvation. And the thing is, our righteousness, his righteousness is actually the standard for our righteousness. And that can be a scary thought because you're like, I could never be as righteous as him. You're right. You can't. But only through the power of salvation are you declared righteous. Each one of you who, who have received salvation and walk in the power of salvation are righteous. It's not something we can earn or deserve. It's something that was done to us and given to us through Jesus. So through the power of salvation, I am declared righteousness and I am able to live righteously. It's not about works, right? No man in his flesh can do what God demands to produce righteousness. But enabled by grace, through faith, we walk out our righteousness. It's not perfection. 
I know a lot of you here think, I can never live up to... No, you can't, and he doesn't expect that. But he does expect you to walk righteously. The practice does not make us righteous. What it does, it reveals a surrendered will. It's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. A righteous heart will produce righteous conduct. I think we need to hear that today because I, like, I look around at what's going on in the world in a lot of churches and Christians. I'm like, where is the righteousness gone? Because <laughs> I think we need to be reminded again that you and I walk through the power of salvation, enabled by grace. We walk it out from faith. We received it. Now we walk it out by faith, and now we live righteously. It's not guilt and condemnation. It's just walking it out. Walking it out. And so that's what I want to challenge you and remind you of today. As you go, that salvation, yeah, it was then, whatever date, but it didn't stop there. It's continually working out in our lives. And one day our salvation will be made whole when we stand in the presence of our almighty God. That's when our salvation will become whole. But for now, I'm going to walk it out every day. Every day, enabled by the Spirit of God. So I just ask you to close your eyes. I, I, I don't want to assume here today that everyone here has actually come into relationship with Jesus. And I want to give that opportunity before we go on. That if there's someone here who has not surrendered their will to his will, who has not come into full salvation, where you've received Jesus and you've made him Lord of your life, and I just want to give that opportunity. It's not because your parents are saved that you will be. You have to make that own your own decision. And so I'll just give you like 30 seconds. And if that's you, you just have opportunity to just say, Lord, come into my life. I, I want to make you Lord of my life. I give you my will. I surrender my will. And by faith, I'm going to trust that you're going to help me walk this out. And I repent. I changed my mind about who you are and who I am. And so we thank you, God. And Lord, I just pray for the rest of us here today that if we've forgotten the fact that we're not just crawling through life trying to get to heaven and, and just begging you to come back. Actually, we have purpose here in, in this life now. You want us here walking out the power of salvation for all to see. And that you're right there with us. That we're not lost. That we can do it. Why? Because he's with us. And so I thank you, God. I pray encouragement on people today. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for what you've done for me so that I can live. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, and amen. I'm just going to invite you to stand.